This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Jim. We are officially in a break between Season 4 and Season 5 of Euphemet, and in the meantime, I'm going to continue posting these conversations that we have over on the Patreon account. The conversation this time is with UFO writer and researcher Ryan Sprague, with co-host Darcy Staniforth. And before that, I wanted to let you know that the show Night Drift is now becoming a live AM talk radio show. So what we experimented with as a podcast will be live every Sunday starting September 26th on 11.50 a.m. KKNW out of Seattle. You can call in, you can participate online at euphemet.com to find all the information. It's going to be at 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern. I look forward to you calling in and participating. But before that, let's revisit this conversation we had earlier this week in front of a live Patreon audience. Ryan Sprague. So shortly after the dawn of the atomic bomb, people began having experiences with strange flying objects. The Allied forces cursed Foo Fighters for outmaneuvering their weapon systems, while others were awakened from their beds by beings birthed in white light, who bestowed important information to them with kindness and much regard to our modern ecology. But after a decade of discovery of channeled inventions, whispers of little green men and flying saucers, underground beings and stalled automobiles, it all gave way to something darker. And with the end of the summer of love came the cold winter of trespass, of home invasion, of abduction, and groups gathered to catch a ride from the mothership or die trying. All as the tiny flashing lights in the sky kept their motivations hidden, a secret to some, a promise of enlightenment for others, a threat. Now, it's been more than 70 years since Roswell, and our decades of history stranger than fiction in our modern age, millions of humans experiencing something other. Witnesses to some version of truth that perhaps much older and much weirder than anything we can imagine. Some have said, we are now in the postmodern age of UFO. If true, is the end of an age just a new beginning? And our guest tonight, Ryan Sprague, is an author, freelance writer, and television personality. He is a lead investigator and co-host of the CW television series, Mysteries Decoded, and is also a regular on both the Travel Channel series, Mysteries at the Museum, and Beyond the Unknown. He is the author of Somewhere in the Skies, A Human Approach to the UFO Phenomenon, and is also, also the creator and host of the Somewhere in the Skies podcast. 
Ryan, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Jim, it's always a pleasure, man. We've had some extraordinary conversations in the past that have left me kind of um, shaken in the best of ways many times before. So I have no doubt that's going to happen tonight, too. So I have to thank you. Well, I love that, man. I love that we can have that level of conversation together as uh, as, as uh, cohorts and friends. So what I, what I want to start this out with is just asking you, if you think this idea is true, that we have entered into some sort of kind of UFO postmodernism, and if so, what does that look like to you in the coming years? So, yeah, for any of your supporters, listeners who weren't aware, uh, a report came out about a month ago, month or two ago now, uh, from the, uh, the National Security Intelligence Agency and, you know, collectively the Pentagon, uh, acknowledging that UFOs are real. Uh, now, you know, there's a million questions that come after that, but they have for the first time in UFO history acknowledged that phenomena exist. Our military pilots and uh, crew members on Navy ships have experienced these. They did not know what they were, and they still don't know what they were. In this report that came out, they looked at 144 military UFO encounters, and they were able to explain one, which is astounding. Hmm. And again, this is just military encounters that only date back to 2004. So if you take into account that for every military encounter, there's hundreds of thousands of people in all walks of life also having these experiences. Right. That is, it's, it, the numbers are just astounding. And that's kind of where we're at right now. We have the U.S. government acknowledging this. And not only that, but establishing a permanent office to look at UFOs. So I do believe we are entering a new age of acknowledgement, not you know so much disclosure, as a lot of people may may use that term, but uh, it's a big step. And it's what a lot of us in the UFO world or community have wanted. We wanted that, that legitimacy, that uh, I guess, you know, validation that what we do is worth the time of the public. And mm. we're living it right now. And I'm, I, yeah. I'm excited, man, for whatever comes next. So yes, this is a paradigm shift unlike any we've had. Well, it's fascinating because in terms of mainstream, in terms of the military-industrial complex, this is indeed an age of acknowledgement. I think you summed it up really well there. For the rest of the people that are experiencing that are not fighter pilots, that are not trained eyes, that these are anecdotal reports from your aunt, your uncle, uh, hundreds of thousands of people, what are these people seeing in 2021? So I have been looking into a few cases here in my neck of the woods in on the East Coast, New York City, to be specific. And uh, people are seeing things that our military are seeing. Hmm. So there's a pattern right there. And again, these are coming from people in all walks of life, belief systems, uh, levels of education, religion, everything you can think of. And having these profound experiences, Jim. I mean, I, I'm investigating a case right now in Michigan and um, where a gentleman and four other people had a encounter with these, I guess you would consider them orbs, which is, you know, a big thing in the paranormal community, but we have them in the UFO world as well. You mentioned, mm. you know, 
the modern UFO era really starting in the 40s with this Foo Fighter phenomenon. And that's basically what this gentleman and three other witnesses saw off of Lake Superior. And uh, it's an ongoing case. Um, wow. These intelligent orbs over the water, these uh, seemingly, I should say, uh, communicating intelligently with the witnesses at some points. Wow. And also backed up by ships that were out on the water that day. We were able to get in touch with the crews on those ships, the freighters. And uh, it's 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 happening, man. This is an ongoing case. We have more and more witnesses coming forward. And again, it goes back to this idea that why are all these things happening over water? Yeah. And that is the biggest thing that we're seeing right now, not only from the U.S. Navy, but civilians as well. Fascinating. And in this ongoing case, can you report anything about uh, what, you know, the, the individuals on these ships are are saying? What, what What is trying to be communicated to them, do they think? That is a really good question. Now, the people on the ships that we've spoken to are being very tight-lipped as of right now. Uh, they have confirmed that they they did witness these but they, mm. you know, they're being very dodgy about how far into it they want to go. All we know at this point with the people on the ships is that they were not involved with this. This wasn't something that they had out there. These were not drones. These were not flares. Uh, nothing of that sort. Uh, you know, as for the, the witnesses on the beach at the time who actually saw this occur, uh, mm. they believe that it was something dropping in to say hello, which I think is amazing. You know, the, the sort of playful element to a lot of these UFO cases. While the military may look at these as potential threats, hmm. uh, a lot of us don't. We don't see a malevolent force at work here. But again, that's all up, open to interpretation as well. So um, right now, I think it's just a little nudge of, you guys are entering a new era of uh, acknowledging us, whatever that us might be. Or they, there's probably not, there's probably way more than one source of these UAP as we're calling them now. And they're just saying hello. Wow. <laughs> just a little, hey, how's it going? Yeah, um, you're acknowledging us, so we're acknowledging you. Yeah. You know, much of what we do, Ryan, is rooted in anecdotal, right? The stories brought to us from people just like those at the beach who, you know, at some point in time just can't keep this secret to themselves anymore. Uh, often these accounts, as you know, can be emotionally charged, um, highly personal. Can you share a, re a recent witness experience that uh, just kind of gripped you and, and moved you because of the emotionality to it or how personally raw it was? Yeah. Now, I, we may have spoken about this in the past. I don't remember, but uh, we're going to return to Michigan again. Um, this was in, I want to get the year here right, 2005. Uh, I worked with a woman named Patty, and she had a sighting of a triangular UFO over her home, uh, again, right near the water. And this one was interesting because she went out to her front porch to walk her dogs. Dogs would not leave the porch. Something was wrong. There was a reason they wouldn't leave. So she kind of scoped out the area. Maybe there's a predator out there or you know, somebody, somebody out there and the dogs were scared, but she couldn't see anything until she looked up. And that's when she saw right above her, a black triangular craft hovering above her. Hmm. So of course she immediately yells 
to her daughter who was inside at the time and said, come out here, come out here. So the daughter eventually comes out and she says, do you see that? I'm not, I'm not crazy. Am I? And the daughter said, yeah, I do. I see it. What is that? And they're both just staring up at this craft gym. And what was really interesting is they started telling each other, you know, do you see that? Do you hear that? And what was interesting is Patty said the craft was black. It was completely silent. She couldn't hear anything. And her daughter, who was looking at the same object, presumably, said that it was white. And the daughter then was in the fetal position on the ground, covering her ear, saying how unbearably loud the craft was. And that, man, that stopped me in my tracks. I had never heard a case like this where perception was bent in such strong ways that they were experiencing something oh, differently looking at the oh same. Oh my way. gosh. No. Wow. That, that alone was like, oh my God, I, I got to keep looking into this. But it didn't end there. They had the triangular craft sighting. And then days later, they started having weird poltergeist activity hmm. in their home. Things flying off the shelves. Um, you know, the electricity going on, off, on, off. Sure. They couldn't explain anything that was going on. So they get an electrician to come out and try to fix the electricity. He gets up on a ladder near the house. And what happens? He sees a UFO over the house. <laughs> he immediately gets down and he says, I'm out. I'll send someone else. Uh, -uh. <laughs> I, I don't get paid enough to, for this. So, I mean, what is that, Jim? I, I can't tell you, but it really, and this is where the emotion comes in. It really affected this family. Mm. I mean, the, it was relentless. The high strangeness that occurred after this triangular sighting, like I said, poltergeist activity, um, shadow people in their homes, oh both their daughters, one that didn't even, wasn't even there for the UFO event started having these really weird nightmares about small visitors coming into her room at night in the house. So, oh my God, man, I felt so bad for this family. It was just like, it was like the conjuring come to life all because of a, a UFO sighting, but it really affected them. Almost being triggered. Yeah. yeah almost being triggered by those sightings uh, in terms that they, 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 it carried an echo with mm -hmm. it. In, in a way, or, or opened something up e either within themselves or within that environment. I mean, it, it's stunning because, you know, listeners to this show uh, and, and you yourself, Ryan, uh, you know, we have heard stories of elevated paranormal activities in certain areas that starts maybe with one thing and then leads to a sort of a catch-all of other paranormal activity. Are, are you seeing that more with modern UFO experiencers, that thing can lead to another, like UFO sighting can lead to poltergeist activity? Yes, uh, more than I ever had before. It's alarming, actually, um, the cases I've looked into. And again, you know, this is all such a subjective phenomena so of course it's going to mean something different to every person and you know one person's possible supernatural experience is another's hallucination is another's alien abduction but what i find fascinating is yeah demon yeah angel yep it, it it really does depend on the lens in which you look at the the experience through and i every case now that i'm coming across it's no longer just nuts and bolts craft this big, this high, no sound, it disappeared. It's okay, UFO event, done. 
then this happened, then this happened. And I don't know what that might be. I can't even pretend to have an answer, but it's a pattern that I'm seeing growing and growing and more people being open to sharing the weirder parts of these. I can't tell you how many people start their story to me with, I know this is going to sound crazy, but hey, I'm used to that by now. And the weirder it is, the more Mm. I tend to believe these people. Honestly, it's not the same prototypical UFO sighting or report I've heard a thousand times before. Mm. It's the (laughs) non-patterns that are the most I mean, Ryan, isn't there a stark contrast between what you're hearing, boots on the ground documenting these witness stories, compared to what is being presented through mainstream media and the military industrial complex about what could be observed as a nuts and bolts phenomenon that has maybe some sort of earthly terrestrial scientific conclusion or explanation to it. There's a contrast between what you're seeing out there and this more general uh, salvo. How, how do you rectify that? For me, it always comes back to why I got involved in the UFO field, Jim. I've always been about the mm-hmm. witness, the human side to all of this. So, I mean, I have mm-hmm. spoken to most, if not all, of the witnesses of the 2004 Nimitz event, the quote-unquote Tic Tac UFO that we've been seeing splashed across our TVs and whatnot for the past few years. And yeah, the mainstream media is portraying this topic as very nuts and bolts. These military people saw this. Uh, It could be a potential threat. Might be Russia, might be China. We need to be aware of that. And we need to, uh, like you mentioned, maybe boost the defense budget to make sure that uh, we're not dealing with a rival nation with drones or highly advanced aircraft that we know nothing about. Uh, that's one end of it. But again, what I am doing is reaching out to all of these military witnesses because yeah, they're in the military, but dude, they're just as human as you and I, and they're, you know, maybe they are a bit more trained observer wise at times, but they're human and they react just like we do to these events. So what I've done is I've sort of pulled all of those witnesses from these now famous Navy UFO events and gotten the human side of them. And, you know, I wrote about a few of them in my book, uh, my most recent edition of my book, and how it affected their lives and their reputation and their beliefs. And that's where, that's, again, that's the bridge between this nuts and bolts ufology we're seeing in the mainstream media and the alternative ways that we get this information out. Shows like yours, mine, um, you know, news sites that look at these things and trying to find what actually brings it all together. Yeah. Uh, You know, what has surprised you the most while documenting these stories of experiencers? Either something that you've heard or just something that surprised you about yourself? Mm. Oh, man, that's tough. Um, What I think has surprised me the most is how open people are now to talking about this. Again, we might even have the Pentagon and mainstream media to thank for that. It's okay to talk about these things. And after that 2017 New York Times article came out, um, you know, all that, the floodgates opened, 
my email bots, my phone, everything was just like, it just exploded with people now being willing to talk about it and be comfortable with sharing an experience. And that's what I think surprised me most is everyone has a story to tell. You know, whether it's just a light in the sky or some weird supernatural experience or, um, you know, psychic ability, what have you. Um, People are like, oh, okay, so I'm not going to lose my job. I'm, you know, I'm not going to lose my significant other (laughs) over this. Maybe I should talk about it. And that's exciting. When I used to do, when I used to, when I was early into my work in this field, I would not talk about it. I would do my work in the shadows and that was it. And now, you know, mm. the first yeah. when someone asks, so what do you do? Now it's just, I'm a UFO researcher. What about it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And right. I'm so proud of it. <laughs> they're like, you don't have to answer so aggressively yeah. is what they're, they, they back do. away from I you. tend to spit a little bit too, man. <laughs> so yeah, I, would, I don't blame them. Right. They're like, you really, okay, that's fine. Like, it's all right. Just don't, don't punch me. <laughs> oh God. I like you know UFOs. me, man. I'm the least violent person <laughs> ever, but yeah, no. I guess my point is, I'm proud. But of you know, right? But you're passionate. passionate. You're you're proud and you're passionate. I yeah. I love it. And we'll be right back after this. Is that a chill in the air? It reminds us that Halloween is right around the corner. But why wait until October to celebrate? Shudder is once again supersizing the spooky season with 61 days of Halloween starting in September. Shudder's biggest, best lineup of new movies, new series, and classic favorites ever. This month kicks off with two Shudder originals hot off the film festival circuit. Rental Gone Wrong thriller Superhost on September 2nd, and ghostly chiller Martyrs Lane on September 9th, then things really heat up with a new season of Creepshow, premiering September 23rd. And thanks to AMC Network Shutter, you can watch those films and more for free right after you finish this episode. To try Shutter for free for 30 days, go to Shutter.com and use promo code Euphemed. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com with promo code Euphemed. Did you watch those films I recommended in July? The McPherson Tapes? arch enemy well here's another one the 1978 version of invasion of the body snatchers you can watch that now on your apple tv just like me your phone or about any other device and enjoy the largest fastest growing human curated selection of thrilling entertainment it's the best streaming service for horror and the best for halloween scares new stuff is added weekly and it's just $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year but you can try shutter for 30 days for free and help support Euphemet while you're at it. Just go to Shudder.com, S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com, and use promo code Euphemet. Well, you know, one, one of the things that's really interesting about this phenomenon, right, is its connection with conspiracy culture. Um, mm-hmm. Conspiracy culture and 
the UFO phenomenon have really, I don't, I don't know, gone hand in hand since the first modern sighting in the mid forties. Um, so, so I wonder in a time of extreme conspiracy, right. In what ways does modern conspiracy culture shape its current relationship with UFOs? You think it's a very hard maze to navigate. I mean, you go back to when I first got into all this, the AOL days, you know, the chat rooms, the forums of conspiracy theory, they were so fun and innocent. You know, who shot JFK? What crashed in Roswell? And now, like you said, we live in an age where we don't know up from down, left from right, quote unquote, fake news from real news. And it's so alarming. I guess is a good way to put it. Conspiracy theory was once something you could do with critical thinking and have really good conversations. And now we live in an age where I think conspiracy theory has become such a shell of itself that it's dangerous. It's extremely dangerous. And people are, you know, being hurt. People are dying because of conspiracy theory. And, you know, I won't go too far into all that. But what I can say is it's made it very difficult for us in the UFO field because we finally have our government willing to share some stuff with us about this, about UFOs and acknowledge it. But what do you do when more than half of the population in the country will never believe anything they have to say, especially about this topic, since, you know, they kind of covered it up from the very beginning. No matter what you think, crashed in Roswell they covered it up. There, there's no doubt about that. So the mistrust started early, uh, you know, with the modern UFO era. And now we live in an age where finally, they're willing to tell us something. But who's going to actually <laughs> believe it, Jim? It's a struggle. It really is. Darcy, let's bring you into this conversation. You know, um, what what is your take on that? In that, you know, individuals have been fed one narrative for so long, then once they're presented with an alternative, there, there, there's a pushback for some people, right? Um, no, not my reality. Even though I believe the old reality you were telling me, how do you, how do you think this um, uh, complicates our relationship to the UFO? I mean, I, I think the thing I think about in uh, any kind of community or belief system is, is it going to cause somebody to die a social death, right? Um, and so, an example I'll use outside of the outside of the ufo world but tied into the conspiratorial world is like the flat earth mm. community right and if you've seen uh beyond the dome there's a there's a scene in there where basically one of the main you know uh flat earth believers that they're interviewing basically says even if i'm proven completely wrong on this I won't change my mind because this has become my whole world. Like this is my community. These are my friend, like you've built your whole life. And so I think sometimes when people get wrapped up in narratives, right. And mm. then, and especially if those narratives, let's say alienate other people, right. Because part of what Ryan has been bringing up and, and what I think all of us strive to do in our work is really one, listen to people, listen to their stories. Um, honor the witness account in ways that are genuine and not to sensationalize, not to um, 
profit off other people's experiences, right? Like, I think we all strive to do that, to have people share their stories and not feel judged and feel welcome and safe to do that. But I think when you've gone into a world, especially when it comes to conspiratorial stuff or um, certain UFO or UAP narratives that have caused separation, alienation from other more like, say, dominant groups in your life, and then you've built a little circle. It is so hard to give that up again. Like, it's really hard to say, like, I'm going to change my whole world because they're not just it's not just an idea that's changing. Oftentimes it is a social circle that's changing. It hmm. is how do you then get back the people that maybe you pushed out, right? We see this happen with people, especially in the conspiracy theory world, where they've alienated friends and family who are just like written them off. They've gone deep into another group and then they have a hard time. Yeah. Even if they leave that group, they have a hard time regaining the ground they've lost. And so there is that um that i'm not trying to make a pun i promise there's that alienation <laughs> there's that loneliness and i think that you know as creatures we are as human beings we're built to be in community and i think that even in this pandemic even the most introverted people have found that they miss their people so i think it's it is ties in a lot with the social factor of that Right. Of not wanting to give that up. But also on the other end, I think that sometimes people just want to believe what they want to believe. I mean, they just are like, no, this is this is how I believe it. It's like, well, I'm showing you all of this other proof or I'm showing you all of these other things that could push it in a different way. And they're just like, no, this is mm. this is what I need. This is what I'm holding on to. But that also has a lot to do with how their world is constructed. And the things that they hold sacred for their own safety, because a lot of what we're talking about, too, even on, you know, the the larger idea of like the government and the difference between like the witness accounts and then like what the government and the military is saying, it's like everybody in some form or other is looking to hold on to power. And so whether that's power over your own life, power over the way that you know the i mean the military is all about power <laughs> like you know they're going to hold on to those things so i think part of it's social part of it's power and just wanting to be like nope this is what i believe this is the hill i die on and we're seeing a lot of these things not just in the ufo world and the conspiratorial world we're seeing it with the pandemic we're seeing it with i won't you know folks won't take a vaccine because they don't know what's in it but then the have a horse dewormer like again like just these really like where if you stepped back and someone like explained that to you about someone else you would be like that doesn't seem right or that seems like contradict like but how why would you go in that direction instead of this direction when there's all of this evidence or proof <laughs> right it's, it's a mixed bag i mean it's like I, I feel like even by kind of looking at those things i'm simplifying it because i think everybody's got their different reasons for belief for sharing and for the social circles and the groups that they decide to you know hold fast to even if it may not be the best or the healthiest thing yeah well it's you know we create 
our narrative and and uh, we find an identity that feels good to wear. Yeah. Right? Um, I find myself doing it all the time. You know, it's interesting. My relationship to UFOs is ever-changing as well because there are parts of it that challenge me more than any other topic within, you know, sort of the, 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 the paranormal or the unknownscape. And there are other parts that, boy, it's just like a, a nice warm blanket, you know? I've mm-hmm. been such an enthusiast, a fan. Ryan, I'm sure you can appreciate this, that the, the, the classic imagery uh, growing up a kid through the 80s and 90s of the gray alien and the X-Files and all of this sort of uh, th- th- these cultural influences that help us define what our place could be in the topic of the UFO. But what's fascinating to me is when you are able to get beyond that. And that's what I appreciate about your work, Ryan, is that you've found that understanding that when you're standing in a witness's house, sitting at their dining table, maybe looking at their face across the table from you and you know, they have tears running down their faces. They're sharing something with you that they've never shared with someone before. It hits in a completely different way, doesn't it? I'm so happy you said that. I mean, I remember when I first set out to write my my first book in 2016, I spent a year on the road traveling around the country, interviewing witnesses and experiencers and thinking, oh, this is cool. You know, I'm like the guy traveling on the road meeting people who said they've been abducted by aliens, like, I'm the next John Keel. This is going to be awesome. And, you know, what happened is the first place I went to in Arizona, I went to a diner with a husband and wife. The wife claimed to have had abduction experiences when she was younger. And I'm like, all right, let's do this. And we sat there for three hours and she was bawling her eyes out, recalling these experiences. And next to her husband, squeezing his hand so hard, like she was breaking his skin, basically. And he starts crying because he is just as mystified and traumatized. He's trying to support her. But, you know, God knows what he believes happened to her. God knows what she believes happened to her. And that was the moment for me, Jim, where it really, it really hit me. I'm like, okay, this isn't like some cool story to put in a book. This is someone's life. And whatever happened to this woman, she firmly believes it happened and it affected her very dramatically, very traumatically. And you have to, you have to respect that. Again, I'm, I, I'm not there to tell her what happened to her. I'm not there to solve the case. I'm no detective, but I'm there f- to listen and to be open. And that's what a lot of these people need, just someone to listen to them no matter what happened to them. And often that's why people don't come forward. Obviously, I understand. I had a UFO sighting. I didn't talk about it for many years. I denied I even had it. And now I'm able to talk about it freely mm-hmm. uh, with my father who was there and had the sighting with me. And it's just, it strengthened our relationship so much that we could finally talk about this weird thing that happened to me when I was a kid and he was a young father. And like have those harder conversations about what is this? What's going on? What does life mean? Um, And that really stuck with me. 
And I think that's what's most important is these things bring people together mm-hmm. instead of pushing them apart. Yeah, we bicker, we fight, there's factions as there is in any subculture or community. But at the end of the day, I think this topic, these phenomena are screaming for us to unite. I just, that, that's how I personally feel. So no, I don't think most of this is a threat. Um, I think this is many different complex phenomena occurring, but all saying the same thing. Get your act together. You ain't mm. doing so good right now, guys. And um, it's only going to get mm. worse if you don't, if you don't unite. So wow. and we've heard those messages for decades now, Yeah, ever since the contactees up until today. So we have. I think there's something to it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And uh, it's pretty crazy that you look back at some of those messages from the contactee movement and uh, how resounding they feel today in the position we are. If you look at some of their warnings in terms of what direction we are headed, a lot of them were right. And uh, it's pretty startling. For the audience, if you'd like to hear ryan's personal story you can listen to his feature on the euphemet series it's uh, episode 20 somewhere where he recounts his experience that he has as a kid and also his relationship to um ufos and, and being a playwright and and how his career was sort of shaped by the paranormal in a lot of different ways ryan i'm gonna let you go here in a minute but i've got one more question for sure. you before i do that you know you've released the second version of somewhere in the skies recently and the first edition like you said, it, it came out back in 2016. In in what ways have either you or your relationship to this material changed since then? I mean, right in the middle of, you know, the two editions was this new world of UFOs we're living in. So I knew I had to tackle that. And I, you know, what I did with the new edition is I reached out to everyone from the first book because, again, these aren't just one and done experiences for many of these people. Life goes on. These things impact them in many different ways. So I revisited a lot of them and, uh, you know, had updates on what they were thinking, what they were feeling. Did their ideas change about what they experienced? And that was very rewarding. But I think what happened with the new version is it just flung the doors wide open. I interviewed people that I hadn't even known back in 2016, quantum physicists, theoretical physicists, psychologists, people who were willing to put their names out there, talk about this topic, and um, share with the public what they think could be going on. So it just like, it astounded me, man. I mean, I was talking to a guy in the book about UFOs and consciousness, and that wasn't even anything I tried to tackle in the first version. And now it's Hmm. all I can think about is what does consciousness, what role does it play in all this? Is it truly the vehicle or the way to communicate with these things? And I'm coming out on the other side saying, huh, this actually seems a lot more possible than a lot of the other ways we're trying to make contact with certain intelligences Mm. or phenomena. So, you know, in some ways, I think I've grown more skeptical of a strictly nuts and bolts extraterrestrial source for all this gym and i've come on the other side with way more questions than any answers but that's okay (laughs) like i'm looking at it another way and i think that's what's most important 
like Darcy said, we live in a world where I'm right, you're wrong. I'm not going to change what I think. And that is so dangerous and unhealthy. So for me, it's made me a much more humble person, you know, and looking at this topic and, and saying to myself, huh, I think I was wrong about everything. <laughs> and I have to accept that. Honestly, I think I was wrong about literally everything I thought this phenomenon represented. And now I'm like, wow. And it's, it, it's humbling and it's exciting. And I think that's awesome. I think we need to grow. We need to explore. And I, that's why I love when you guys have these conversations where you can stretch out and not just talk about UFO seen on this date, this big, done. Like, where does that get? Well, and I, I think that that ties back to what Jim was asking about, like, what about the people that own, like, th doesn't matter what they've been shown and they don't believe any further. You know what I'm saying? Like, our field keeps getting better and better and better because we realize that we didn't know what we thought we knew. So then we try new experiences, we interview new people, we re-interview people, we connect it to other things. Because like even in this conversation, I'm thinking about like two things I'm thinking about when you're talking about Ryan with, um, you know, poltergeist phenomena and UFOs. I think about uh, the new owners of the quote unquote conjuring house who have also had Ooh. UFO activity above their house. Wow. And really? it's like, what? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a, it's a whole thing. <laughs> it's right. It's so interesting. But then also talking about this similar messaging about, you know, the things that we're seeing with contactees and this messaging that keeps coming forward about how we need to come together. And I think about the messaging people in positive near death experiences get, which is all about, it's all connected. It's all about love. Mm -hmm. So now I, my brain's even like, oh, yeah. Like, there's so many ways that we can go with this and that is how we keep moving the field forward by hap by like you said stretching out a little. It's, it's so important. Can I touch Darcy? on that Jim? Please, please. I'm I'm sorry. She it just resonated so much what you said Darcy. I think and I don't think I really even answered your question Jim. That's okay. What I've learned is to zoom out. I think I've spent my entire mm. UFO research life or <laughs> career. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, I don't get a paycheck from ufology, but um, it, it's very rewarding in other ways. I have learned to zoom out. And like Darcy said, the more you zoom out, the more you realize this is all connected somehow. A ghost, a poltergeist, a UFO, an alien. Like the more you zoom out, the more you can make these connections. And I think a lot of people just get tunnel vision in their own communities of ghost hunting. Like it's a, you know, it's a disembodied spirit. That's all. That's all it could be until you have a quantum physicist coming around and saying, what if it's a person from another dimension that just you caught a glimpse of? Maybe they're just as surprised to see you as you are them, you know, or <laughs> stuff like that. And that's really where I'm, I'm like all in now with this whole idea of multiverse, other dimensions, the aliens are us from the future. And it sounds ridiculous. But hey, all of this sounded ridiculous until it's proven to be yeah. true. Yeah. Oh, man. It just makes me so excited mm. to read your next book, Ryan. That's what I'm excited about. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm working, working very 
heavily on it. <laughs> well, it's good to hear, and it's good to hear your voice. And thank you so much for taking some time tonight. Uh, appreciate you, man. I appreciate your work, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you so much. My pleasure, guys. Honestly, I really appreciate your time and having these conversations. So go talk to your patrons. I can't wait to hear what they have to say. And um, thank you for having me.